So uh, we're back, everybody. We are back. Big Rings Nation, what is up? I'm. It's Rob here. And we can go down the line here. I always have I'm, a, I'm Hugh. I'm also here. I'm Tanera, also here. And we're here with, with uh, the athletic writer and uh, Raptors reporter extraordinaire. Uh, I've been wanting to have him on the show for, for since we started doing it, basically. And no time like the present. Blake Murphy, what is up, Blake? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I uh, wish we could have done it when there's actual basketball to talk about, but yes. you know this freed up the schedule. So yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I got to start with this. I think a bit of a mea culpa here uh, to Big Rings Nation, which <laughs> is that we, we haven't really done uh, an episode for a couple weeks. Uh, we were on a little bit of a hiatus because a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, uh, you know, at the beginning of February, I started to get uh, election brain. Unfortunately, and I was kind of putting a lot of time and energy into thinking and talking about that and didn't leave me a ton of time to uh, to do this show. Um, but, you know, I was always planning on, on coming back to it as we got closer to the playoffs, as my election brain, hopefully, like it was cured a little bit. Um, and it was cured by everything just being really, really terrible. Once Bernie secured the nom, you wouldn't need to do it anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was my idea originally. Did not go quite as expected. Yeah, and then so in the middle of all that, society kind of collapsed, uh, unfortunately. And the first the first kind of domino to fall in that was the NBA. Uh, now we're in this weird situation where uh, the NBA playoffs are supposed to be starting right now. Or, you know, very soon, I believe. And um, there's no sports. Sports are gone. Do you guys remember where you were when you heard the news that, uh, so I guess either that the season was canceled or that Rudy Gobert had uh, tested positive or, uh, I guess, no, it was that they, they evacuated a stadium and no one knew why, right? Anyway, do you remember where you were when you found out that the NBA was done? Uh, when did that happen? Like, I've when- lost all concept of time. <laughs> it was March 11th. Okay. Right. God, oh my God, that's like just over a month ago. It feels like <laughs> yeah, so long ago. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, I mean, that was definitely the moment when I think for that was the kind of odd thing was for me and I think for many other people, this was the t- moment that it was like, oh, this is like a serious thing that's happening yeah, now. This is real now. Yeah, for for you know weeks or months while we had been hearing news stories about coronavirus and this kind of stuff happening, I mean, it was very easy to kind of just put it out of your mind and be like, well, then. Uh, obviously nothing that crazy is going to happen here and everything's going to be fine. And all of a sudden that was this night that I think I had gotten a sense like two days previously that that shit was going to start going down. Uh, and that's when that then when that finally happened, it was like, oh, wow, this is like this is actually happening now. And um, my office had started talking about possibly working from home, but just kind of like maybe we'll do this. Yeah, um, I was like, maybe in quickly, a couple of weeks, I might have yeah. to like self-isolate for for a little while. Um, and then three days later, it was like, oh, or we're just going to do this right every now. Every bad I guess. thing that's happened in the NBA this year 
has happened while I've been playing the video game Apex Legends with my little brother. Um, <laughs> like Kobe passing away also. That was how I found out. Was uh, But like we were just playing video games and my younger brother just suddenly said, whoa, they just evacuated a stadium in uh, OKC. And we were very puzzled. Like, and we, I think I thought it was like a bomb threat or something at first. Uh, but no, it was uh, that Ru- the martyr Rudy Gobert had contracted the, yeah. the dreaded COVID-19. Well, you can't feel too bad for playing a video game and causing uh, chaos in the NBA because uh, I kind of feel like I may have brought this on, not just on the NBA, but on the world. Because, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I feel like everybody has their one thing where they're like, oh, I keep thinking about this, and now it's happening because of coronavirus. And my thing has been my brash and insistent (laughs) and confident claim that the Raptors were going to run back their championship and be repeat champs, which, of course, they are. Perfectly legitimately the 2020 <laughs> champs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Also, the Saskatchewan Rattlers of the in, in Canadian Elite Basketball League. Yeah. Definitely um, a bit of a monkey's paw situation there. Exactly. So I feel <laughs> I feel a little bad about that. And I just wanted to apologize to Big Rings Nation for... Uh, bringing all of this upon us. Doing I wish pandemic. I knew who the NBL champs were. I bet it's the fucking London Lightning. It's I, always the London Lightning. I know. I, ooh, <laughs> don't get me started. Blake, how about you, man? Were you um, were you like with the team at that time, or like were you yeah. at that, that Jazz game? I wasn't at that Jazz game, so I'd been on that entire road trip, uh, the four games prior to the Jazz game, and then it was just like too tough to get an affordable Sacramento to Utah flight on a back-to-back, so I was just like, I'll peel off and I'll come back to Toronto. Um, So I missed the Utah game, which was like a minor relief, but we also didn't know at that time like we were still learning a lot about this. So we didn't know if a Raptor could have asymptomatically gotten Rudy Gobert sick, for example, or that it was like more prevalent around the league than we thought at that time. Uh, And then on top of that, when the news came down, I was actually at a charity event for the Nick Nurse Foundation where Nick Nurse was and a handful of other Raptors and a bunch of Raptors staff. Uh, There was also a Norman Powell event for Big Brothers Big Sisters Toronto that night. Um, So it was this weird thing where like you get this huge sense of how quickly it really could spread if it infected in the NBA in the in NBA circles, um, you know, more than it turned out it did because you would have had the Jazz contact with the Raptors and then the Raptors come back and there are two public events the same night and also Stanley Johnson had gone and played with the 905, so then you have two more teams. Uh, luckily, obviously, all the Raptors tested negative, uh, but I had to, like, self-quarantine for a little bit. That was still at the stage where... I basically just got on the phone with Ontario Health and they were, I told them the situation. They were like, okay, well, stay inside, but like, we're not going to test you or anything unless some of the Raptors test positive. So thankfully, all their tests were negative and I just kind of, just kind of chilled for 14 days. I guess this is the yeah. frustrating thing now is because, like, I, you know, obviously when big crises happen like this and these big kind of like world changing uh, events happen, the wheels of history start turning. It feels a little bit petty to focus on things like sports or the Toronto Raptors or, or you know, these kind of personal things that for entertainment that doesn't really 
mean much in the grand scheme of things. But since that's what this podcast is about, I do feel like it needs to to come up, obviously. And that's, yeah, I mean, it's like one of the really sad things about this is that, you know, it's like I've been saying throughout the course of this show that we've been doing it, you know, uh, heading into the trade deadline, I was thinking, no, I want to stand firm. Uh, I don't want to, ch- I don't want to ship anyone out. I want this team, this exact team to uh, get healthy, go into the playoffs and like repeat to try to try to uh, defend that championship. And I was feeling even in a, in a sense, like, oh, I feel a certain amount of peace with, even if they don't win, if they just go and, and, and try and repeat with this team, the same team, uh, minus Kawhi Leonard, you know, it's going to feel, it's going to be a really good feeling regard kind of regardless of what happens. And it's just, it's so frustrating now that I feel like that, that opportunity is never really going to come. Um, it sucks. It was so funny how, like, I don't, I don't, I would say maybe 25% of the conversations that me and my friends have was some, like, version of talking about, like, playoff matchups or, yeah. like, how will, like, like, basically a significant sum of our conversations just had to be about something else. Like, instead of being like, well, how would we fare against the Bucks or the Sixers or whatever? I mean, I guess it was just talking about the the nightmare world we all in, inherited. But <laughs> can't we just go back to complaining about the Celtics and the playoff no. series that never that'll never happen? It's like five six years of them being pseudo rivals, and just we're, we're never ever going to get that playoff series. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really frustrating. Um, so what, Blake? Because I know the last I heard about this, I know they were talking about doing some kind of a playoff. I think the last thing I heard on it was that they were planning to do some kind of like a in all in Vegas with no crowds, uh, like a best of three first round, a few one and done rounds, and then like a best of three finals. It, it just sounds so like wacky and bizarre and dystopian that I, I can't even really wrap my mind around it or imagine what that would look like. Do you have any idea like... Is this still going to happen? Are they still talking about this? Like, what's where does the league stand right now? Like, are they planning on coming back and doing some kind of a, a playoff? Or is this season just pretty much a write-off now? I mean, I think that's probably where it's heading on, like, a balance of probabilities. But from the league's perspective, uh, Adam, Adam Silver did a conference call on Friday following a Board of Governors uh, kind of digital meeting. And basically, the league is not at a point yet where... They're considering, I mean, they're listening on all options, but they're not like really hammering down on anything because for one, I mean, there's just so much uncertainty still about the virus and how different states and the U.S. government is handling this. Um, Obviously, there are a lot bigger questions than just uh, the basketball side there. Hasn't Um, been ideal. Yeah. Yeah, I think the league is, you know, for one, pretty hesitant about the PR side of not wanting to put players at risk and not wanting to put fans at risk and I think not wanting to be the first ones back or anything like that um so I do think that they're considering all these things and I've heard you know the Vegas idea of maybe MGM Grand just becomes the NBA's headquarters and everyone's sequestered there for a while or maybe uh Keith Smith of Yahoo had Disney as an idea because Disney's already set up to broadcast with the ESPN facility and all these hotel and and arena space and things like that. Um, You know, I think the big thing is the league would like to save this season, at least to the extent of having a playoffs, because the value of the TV revenue for the playoffs and just the playoffs as a property is so high. Um, You know, logically, there's an end point at which you then start to sacrifice next season, too. And it won't be worth it. But I think we're still away a little bit away from that. The the most reasonable like timeline proposal I heard was an early to mid July 
restart. Teams would get two weeks for training camps. Everyone would get five regular season games left, which would, you know, for playoff teams, that would basically just be like a training camp to get rid of to get ready for the playoffs. Uh, and then from there, you'd have best of five rounds. What would then happen is that would take you to about Labor Day. You'd have an abbreviated offseason and you'd aim to start next year around Christmas, uh, which is what they did in the lockout shortened season. They started around Christmas and got 66 games in, uh, just extending the back end uh, a little later. So, you know, there are options like that. But if you don't get going by early, mid-July, then you're talking an even more extreme expedited playoff format or an even more extreme uh, bump to the 2020-2021 the season. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I have in mind. The league said, the league keeps saying basically they don't have enough information. They're listening to everything, but they're not planning anything at this stage yet um and i think that's probably the feel among players too they'd all like to get back and play and they'd all like to not mess their long-term money up um but no one wants to do this until they can be reasonably assured it's it's safe to do so and you don't have to do things like sequester players from their families for two months wasn't didn't ufc say they were gonna buy an island fight island yeah mortal Kombat island (laughs) Like, yeah, they they kick that idea around for sure, and I don't, uh, you know, sure. I like sure. the idea of the NBA doing that as well, making Basketball Island. Yeah, <laughs> that would I don't, be cool. But I yeah, I guess I guess you bring up things like the players not wanting to uh, not see their family for two months or whatever, realistic things. But what about me, who just wants to watch <laughs> <Yeah>. basketball? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's it's my full-time job it takes up a lot a lot of my time and it's very weird to go to pivot into not having much to do both at like a fan level or work level so i'm i'm all for it and i can cover games via tv that's that's fine with me but uh you know i'd much rather wait until we can cover games safely instead of having to write like oh yeah by the way uh post game notes this guy now has coronavirus and (laughs) well and that's the really bizarre thing too though isn't it is that they might be looking at these timelines and figuring out ways that they can do this safely, but from all the information that's out there and everything that I've heard, it doesn't look like we're going to have large gatherings anytime soon, certainly not next year. Uh, so even if we're talking about the NBA coming back, it's going to be this in this completely different format with no crowds. And that's just so, it's just so bizarre to imagine. And that's that's the yeah, thing that I, I think imagine... that, that's the thing that I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around is just the fact that basically sports as we knew them are pretty much finished now for the foreseeable future and we might get some kind of facsimile of sports or NBA basketball coming back into our lives but even that is going to be this very bizarre warped different thing and it's uh, I you know it's it's weird to even imagine it yeah, I can't imagine we're getting live crowds until we've reached a point where there's a vaccine, um, which obviously sounds you know pretty far away still, even as they they make some uh, minor advancements. Uh, yeah, and look, we're we're definitely looking at the return being without fans and maybe without you know certain media. Um, if you like, for reference, when they first cut the gathering size down to 50 people or whatever, um, the Utah Jazz had 58 people who were tested as members of their traveling party as the road team uh, in the after that game in Oklahoma City, the Raptors had to test more than 50 people as part of their traveling party from having been in Utah. Uh, so right away, you're talking one, that's one road team. That's not the home team where they'd have more staff. And then you get into things like the, you know, the television broadcast crew, the arena staff, even if it's, even if the arena's not full of people, you still have a lot of um, necessary support staff. And then if you get into things like media, uh, you're talking at least a couple hundred people. Well, <clears throat> WWE has sort of, uh, I mean, 
okay, it's weird to say that they're leading the way because obviously Vince McMahon yeah. uh, they're is leading the way in being very evil. serial killer. <laughs> they're leading the way in being very evil. Pioneers in evil. <laughs> yes, but they're also, I mean, I haven't been paying close attention, but my understanding is that they are or were broadcasting matches that were being filmed without audiences, right? So yes. there's sort of, and not being an example that anyone who cares about athletes or working conditions or anything like that should follow. Yeah. But they are sort of leading the way for what sports might look like in this sort of interstitial period, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, those those broadcasts have been kind of awkward and you obviously lose a lot in a, you know, story-oriented production like that without the crowd reactions. And, and I think, you know, the benefit that they have is you can have one-on-one in the ring with one referee. Um, you can do a remote broadcast if you really need to. You can th- you can kind of piece together that together a little easier. It gets a lot tougher when, you know, the NBA has 13 people on the court between the players and the referees and then the benches and things like that. Um, you know, the WWE is maybe a template, given for like for what things will look like and feel like but um in terms of yeah being that being repeatable for at a larger scale for a, a real sport with more people involved i don't i think we're probably still pretty far away from figuring out how that looks even wwe had a lot of pushback from their employees because mm-hmm. they wanted to uh do it live every monday night which would entail like the wrestlers tra- traveling or just staying in or- orlando uh, and I think that even people were like worried about the exposure do, rather than like banking the episodes, like f- doing a whole bunch all at once. And I think that eventually they managed to do that. But for a while, they were going to do it live every Monday night and all the employees were not happy about it. So I wonder like, like, you know, if you're a cameraman for the NBA like, do you want to go to NBA Island or Disney World <laughs> or Vegas or whatever and risk that? Like, yeah, even I mean, if you frame it as NBA Island, that sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that WWE, that's something that they can do also, because it, in a sports league where all your athletes are, quote unquote, independent contractors. And mm-hmm. there's this kind of like they, like this beaten down kind of like cult like element to it where you're kind of forcing them to put their their health and bodies at risk daily. It seems like they're in a position where they can get their employees to commit to that. A little bit better, but in this in a league where there's more parity between the players and the owners, um, where they don't, they're going to be like, "Well, no, fuck you! I don't have to put myself in harm's way uh, just to continue making you billions of dollars." Uh, a little bit more difficult to, I think, convince the, the principal players involved to to commit to that. Crazy what a union can do for you. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we move on from that, um, I just wanted to mention the uh, the Laco season. Apart from the triple back to back to backs ruled and i would love to see it go to a like 60 something odd game season like i feel like 82 i don't know if it's too many but i just personally thought that like especially the stretch from the all-star break until the end of the regular season was like exciting and fun and the games all mattered in a way that even more so than they do normally like i loved like the the stuff the context that made the lockout season was sucked but the actual shortened season i thought was great 
Yeah, there are some there are like some not quiet voices that think this might be especially if this drags into where it affects 2020 2021. Um, you know, we might get a trial year at what that looks like with a 70 game schedule or something like that. Um, you know, the league's always hesitant to shrink the schedule. It's because revenue it, but, they lose, I guess. Right. Right. But at this point, the league's digital properties and national TV package is such an outsized portion of the revenue that they might be able to, you know, if the season goes well, if a shortened season goes well, you might be able to, you know, sacrifice those six home games of of gate for each team or whatever and not feel it um, proportionally in terms of percentage of games just because the nationally televised games are so much bigger and you could iron out things like, well, okay, now there are fewer back-to-backs because we're spreading 70 out over this amount of time instead of 82. And then if there are fewer back-to-backs, then you know we can get a little more strict enforcing no load management and things like that. So then you you know the marquee games are a little more marquee. And then, yeah, to your point, I think there is a, an element too from a fan perspective of you know scarcity if there are fewer games they all feel a little bit more important and right now like we know we know what the nba standings are going to look like at the end of the year after like 50 games there's not a ton of uncertainty even right now you look if the season came back and we finished those last 16 games there's only one playoff spot up for grabs it's you know i don't i don't think you'd lose a ton of value to like the the legitimacy of the season by shrinking it back to 70 or 66 or anything like that. So it would be a fun experimental year. Obviously, like you said, the the wrong reasons to to get to do that experiment. But I think you could learn some things uh, about what a, a shorter season looks like. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, as I was mentioning, it's 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 really frustrating because in terms of the Raptors, this was kind of like the last dance for this particular crew, I think, and that's one a really bitter pill to swallow about all this is is when you when you focus on the sports minutia thing yeah again it's obviously it's less important in the grand scheme of things than like you know tens of thousands of people dying and the very serious economic consequences and all this but i was wondering about what you think what you think possibly it means for the raptors going forward i mean it looks like in a situation now where this could be you know, we might have seen the last of like Fred Van Vliet. We could have possibly seen the last of Kyle Lowry. This could possibly be his last year as well. Uh, Serge Ibaka. What What do you think this means like for the future of the team? Or like, how do you think they're going to be able to try and navigate this and uh, and continue making like offseason moves like with so much uncertainty floating around? Yeah, to be honest, the we don't really know. There's still a lot to figure out. Um, the biggest thing being timing, obviously. But beyond that, what's going to happen to the salary cap? Um, the way the salary cap works is it's based on projections for the year ahead. Um, and what you're seeing right now is starting May 15th, the league is going to withhold 25% of player paychecks. Players get paid bi-weekly for the most part, uh, spread out over you know 24 payments uh, to over 12 months. Um, so the league's going to hold back a little bit of that in the event that they have to cancel games um, and scale back salaries a little bit. So what that would do is that might help minimize the effect of a cap drop next year, uh, but you're still probably going to be projecting less revenue for next year, especially if we're looking at a scenario where there are no fans. Um, so then you're talking about a cap shrink, and then you, you know, then it there are a lot of what ifs to figure out, like 
you know, okay, yes, the Raptors have less space and less flexibility, but so do the 29 other teams. Um, this coming offseason projected as a, a summer where there weren't very many teams with cap space. So this is maybe something that hurts a Fred Van Vliet's market because suddenly there are, you know, you've shrunk from six teams with big cap space to three teams with big cap space, and they're all bad. Uh, so maybe that helps the Raptors retain Van Vliet on a shorter deal. Uh, maybe that makes Abaka or Gasol, who are both free agents, more amenable to a one-year deal. We don't really know all these things until we figure out what they're going to do with the cap, whether they're going to try to smooth that impact out over a couple years of the cap by making kind of, you know, not letting the cap drop in 2020. And what they do to account for that is project in a, a smaller spike for 2021. Uh, so a lot of uncertainty for that on like the technical side. I think the bigger, like the more reachable question is, does it uh, does it incentivize the Raptors to look at next year and be like, you know what, let's run it back one more time. We didn't get to do this um, in full. We extended Kyle Lowry one more year and he's still playing at kind of something close to his peak. Uh, you know, you could retain one of Abaka or Gasol. The young guys came along and 2021 has always kind of been the year that they're trying to maintain flexibility for anyway. Um, so I could see it nudging them that way. But again, really, we don't know until, you know, like you can think that way. And then if the salary cap comes in higher than you hope and the Detroit Pistons come and poach Fred Van Vliet for 25 million a year, then, you know, that changes your thinking pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a little weird to try to, obviously it's my job to try to figure these things out, but even with talking to people on the team side, like there's, or the league side, there's just so much uncertainty. Nobody really knows how to go about planning. So you're talking about, you know, every team's operating probably with five, six, seven different contingency plans right now. Have you spoken to any of the players over the last couple of weeks? Like how are the boys, uh, how are the boys dealing with all this stuff? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, we've had, you know, the, you have some conversations with people privately and then there have been the Raptors have been making one person a week available via conference call. Um, so we talked to Fred Van Vliet today. He's home in Rockford and, you know, it, Norman Powell is home in Las Vegas. Uh, Chris Boucher is, is hanging around the city. So we've talked to those guys and you try to or, or sorry, rather, they try to stay in shape as best they can. So they're. You know, at the coaching side, the coaches are in pretty frequent contact via video chat. Um, every day, one of the athletic training staff, whether that's medical or, um, you know, the the weight trainers or, or the dietitians or whatever, each player is in contact with someone from that staff pretty much every day to make sure they have what they need and, and they're staying in relative shape. Uh, and then every second day or so, a pl players are talking to assistant coaches just to kind of keep in touch about things on the basketball side. And then they have things like, you know, group chats between the players. Um, I think they're probably, you know, missing, you miss the chemistry side of things and the camaraderie side of things. And obviously you can't stay in anything close to game shape, uh, but the team's done what they can to give them the resources like nets, like dumbbells at home, like spin bikes, uh, things like that. I think, I think... At this point in the game, like five, six weeks in, they're probably a lot like everyone else where they're just getting, you know, if there was any novelty to the situation and having a break and things like that, that's long since worn off. And everyone's just trying to do their best to, to stay as positive and productive as you reasonably can while acknowledging that this sucks and you're going to have some days where you don't feel like being productive and positive. Is there like... I don't know how to fit. Is there CBA implications in terms of like, so, you know, when there's labor strife, like sometimes coaches can't talk to players or whatever. Like if a season ends due to virus, is there any like implications in terms of like practicing or like being in contact with each other outside of like social distancing? 
No, right now that's the big one. Like, like teams aren't allowed to have facilities, and obviously, you know, the the league and the teams worry about player health and they worry about the PR side and, and things like that. So I don't think they'll they'll push it on that. Um, in terms of like coach contact with players or, or team contact with players, until we actually get word that the season is canceled they don't really have to worry about any of that Um, players are still getting paid players are still under contracts to the team every contract technically runs until june 30th uh so you're you're safe right now uh with all of that stuff but yeah that might be a bigger question of if we get to july 1st and there's still not certainty does the union push for like hey every one of these guys is a free agent unless you want to keep paying them or something like that. But luckily, you know, this is where basketball is fortunate that the NBA and MBPA have a pretty good relationship right now. And like they negotiated something like the salary rollbacks pretty seamlessly. Um, So you hope they're on the same page enough right now that that stuff doesn't get too dramatic. It's just such a bizarre, unprecedented situation. Like what you're describing, I'm trying to put my head in, in, in like what it would be like to be, a professional athlete and deal with this kind of hanging over your head. You know, you've got to, you've got to stay at home because of this like really unprecedented global crisis that we're, that we're going through. But also we may at some point over the next couple of months do like a pretend playoff situation in an empty gym. So kind of keep that in your mind. Also, (laughs) I know such a big part of being a pro athlete is like keeping your, keeping that focus constantly and, and, you know, not allowing yourself to be distracted and, and, you know, maintaining that at all times. And it's like, how the fuck are you supposed to to manage that to deal with like this this idea of like, oh, you may at some point have to do this like very intense like uh, athletic competition, but no one really knows. I have no idea, honestly, like. Like, Norman Powell's got a hoop in his driveway, and Pascal Siakam's got a hoop in his driveway. Okay, <laughs> but, like, a month from now, they might be asking you to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> like, there's no there's no replicating that at all. And people are doing their best, obviously. Um, but I would think that the team and the players have reached a point where it's like, hey, like, if you need a day off for a mental break, like, take it. I think... I don't think anyone's worried that the NBA would be like, hey, you're playing a game tomorrow. I think I think at minimum you'd probably have like a two-week ramp-up period. Not that that's a lot, but it's better than nothing. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think this is probably the point in time far enough in where, you know, the line between how normal people are dealing with this and how professional athletes are dealing with this, strictly from the mental standpoint, because obviously resource-wise, yeah. uh, one of those groups is a lot better off on average. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of how you're getting through it day to day, that those lines have gotten a little closer together. Um, NBA, you know, I, I, I know that the guys with families, at least, are trying to appreciate that element of it, the extra family time. And then the guys without families are just playing a <laughs> shit ton of video games. NBA team chats are full of like articles like it's yeah. OK to take a day and not shoot 100 free throws <laughs> during a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what games to the Raptors play. I remember like Jakob Pertl and uh, Siakam played Fortnite, <laughs> I feel like. Do you know what yeah. game what video and games? And do they the want to play with play? us at some point also? I think be another. Yeah, do any Raptors <laughs> want to play Apex Legends? I don't I'm not a video game person, so I don't really know. Um, none of the Raptors participated in the league's yes. 2K tournament, so that tells <laughs> me that none of the Raptors are very good at 2K. Um, I've seen some Fortnite, I've seen some Call of Duty uh, I've seen some other stuff. Malcolm Miller, I think, is the the best gamer on the team, and he's done some like live Twitch stuff with some pro gamers. Uh, Chris Boucher plays a lot, but I don't nice. have. Uh, I'm not 
the only video game I play is Out of the Park Baseball, which is like a sim <laughs> baseball game. It's extremely um, nerdy and not barely a video game versus an Excel we, spreadsheet. Can we talk about the NBA tournament? Because when I heard about it, like the 2K tournament specifically, I was like, this is awesome. Like all the play, like all my favorite guys, I'm going to get to see them again. And they're not playing basketball, but they're playing 2K. Uh, and then in execution it was like the worst shit i've ever seen in my life <laughs> like yeah felt, like we kept joking that like someone's nephew was hired to like put it together and produce it because like there were stretches where it was just nothing but like dead air and a game and a video game sounds being played like fake announcers i can't remember brutal. who told me this but apparently demontis sabonis was like frustrated because he couldn't figure out how to do like a dribble handoff and i think that's <laughs> part of the issue is like if you're not a gamer to begin with and then you go into a 2k game with basketball brain like you it's not the same as real basketball yeah. it's just like play one-on-one break your guy down off the dribble and go or like maybe call one quick play uh but you know some of these guys probably approached it like it was actual basketball and those guys did not do particularly well the other thing is that like i feel like they were basically being streamers right like they were basically being asked to be an entertainment personality on television and also play this weird basketball video game and like that's not really most of their like obviously patrick beverly like did his thing but like it's a skill that you kind of need to hone to like talk and play video games at the same time. And so I wasn't in hindsight, it wasn't surprising that most of it was them just kind of like, like not even really mic'd up very well <laughs> talking to each other. But man, I was disappointed. Yeah. It, uh, it, I didn't think it was a great idea on paper <laughs> and it, I didn't watch very much. Uh, that's not really my thing. And it didn't sound like anyone, Nobody was clamoring for another <laughs> tournament or uh, an NBA 2K regular season. So I think that's uh, that's all we need to know. I wanted to ask about um, what, what specific Raptors-centric storyline are you most disappointed is not really being resolved this season? I, I, if, if I can go first, too, I wanted to talk about Norm Powell for a minute because um, it was really cool this season to see Norm Powell kind of finally living up to the big expectations that he set when he kind of broke out with the team and when he signed his big contract. He's never really been able to be consistent for a number of reasons, uh, both like things that were in his control and things that were out of his control. Um, and this season, it really did look like he had turned a corner and he was delivering on all this promise. And I know so we were seeing this at the beginning of the year. He was shooting the ball really well. He was being very aggressive. He was playing very well. And then he got hurt. And I said to myself, okay, well, that's certainly going to, that's, surely that's going to sort of interrupt his his groove that he had going, it's going to probably fuck with this this kind of nice feel-good story. He's going to come back and he's going to struggle to sort of get get back to that level that he was at. And he comes back from his first injury, walks, gets right into the exact same situation, still is playing out of his mind, playing really, really well. And then again, he survived, went through another shitty injury and still came back. And it really felt like he had really put this together and figured it out. And it was I was really excited for norm because he's been a really lovable player over the last couple of years and really excited also for what the playoff implications were to see he if he could really uh step into that sort of six-man role or like you know the off the bench gunner role and and make a huge impact in the playoffs i was really excited to see it i was really happy for norman powell and that's it just seems so it's it's so sad that um after he kept on kind of overcoming adversity through the season then this kind of fucked up uh, monkey ranch gets thrown in and the, the whole league gets shut down. And um, that's just really disappointing that we're never going to see 
Um, or, you know, we, we might see them play again, but we're never really going to get a full conclusion of that story and whether he would have been able to, to put that together uh, this year. I'm, I'm, I'm sad about that. Yeah, it's a good pick. And he was, I think, you know, I don't think he was going to get the award because you can go 10 different directions with it every year. But I think he had a good case for some like down ballot, most improved votes. I think he technically wasn't eligible when the season ended, but he would have played enough more games off the bench that he would have been sixth man eligible by the end of the year too. And guys who are putting up 16, 17 points a game tend to have a shot in, in those award discussions too. So it would have been cool to see him get to, to kind of put a cap on that. And he's a guy too, that, you know, he didn't play a big role in the playoffs last year. So it would have been cool to see him get to kind of carry that over to the post season he is still the reigning eastern conference player of the <laughs> yeah. week though in perpetual in perpetuity never take that away from him <laughs> i mean they could if the season started i guess well they can't take these weeks weeks away from him god damn it no that's true <laughs> um he is he's definitely the longest <laughs> yeah, reigning exactly. player of the week of all time <laughs> yeah uh so as i said before i Man, I talked so much shit on specifically the 76ers and the Bucks in the <laughs> last like six months about how we were going to roll back into the playoffs. Not a big deal, like not a problem. And like it was kind of looking like we may have a very similar, if not identical playoff like matchup. Like, I mean, who knows? Like things could have changed. It was shaping up that way. But so I was looking... I was looking forward to seeing a rematch of those Sixers and Bucks series, either or both, and how we fared without Kawhi if someone stepped up like OG or if Siakam took that extra step, got that extra gear in the playoffs to become the number one, like the dude. Uh, I just I just wanted to see the playoffs. I wanted to see what would happen. I wanted those games. <laughs> I wanted the matchups. I wanted the coaching yeah. like changes. And now, I mean, maybe we'll get it, but it's not the same. Yeah, I think mine was pretty similar. Um, I was trying to think of uh, what my most regretted storyline would be that we won't get to see concluded. And I just kept thinking about those horrible bucks (laughs) who kept demanding that we fear the deer. And last year we said, no, we will not fear the deer. And we were resolute in that, and we didn't fear them, and we beat them. And I wanted to see it happen again. And obviously it still could when basketball starts up again. But they just, you know, they get in your face and they say, fear the deer. And it's just so important to say, no, yeah, I won't. <laughs> I think for me, I had two. The first one was, and we don't know what would have happened because they could have got bounced in the first round. But I really wanted a Raptor Celtics series finally. I've been wanting this for, for years just the, the chance for the Raptors and, and Nick Nurse in particular to expose Celtic, the Celtics and, and for Raptors Twitter and Celtics oh, Twitter man, to war through that entire series. Uh, the other one for me is Kyle Lowry and just he was having such a good year and I don't want to I don't ever want to discount Kyle Lowry's ability to stay at this level because this is his age 34 season and it was probably the third best of his 14 seasons in the league. Um, but I do think that there is at least a small chance that this was his last year playing at an all NBA level. Yeah. And I think his reputation had gotten his reputation had always lagged behind actually how important he was to the Raptors and how good he's been. But I think between the finals run and the hilarity in the all-star game and the Raptors staying good after Kawhi Leonard left, uh, I think that he was getting to a place where 
at least some people were finally catching up to just how good Kyle Lowry is and the the lost opportunity to kind of close that out, maybe make an all-NBA team for the second time in his career and then to do that again in the playoffs. Um, you know, it would have been it would have been great. I was very happy for for the season for Lowry for the season he was having, uh, and he might be able to you know do it again next year as he turns 35 late next year. Um, at this point, I'm just not betting that Kyle Lowry's ever going <laughs> to age. But on a, if he were a normal person, you would be looking at this as oh maybe this was his last season at an All NBA level and to get to be the number you know if not one A guy one B guy on a on a really good yeah he looks phenomenal. Team. I mean the whole team this year was so. Great to watch because I think they were all collectively healthy for what ten games, not even, and they still managed to, yeah, they still managed to put together this really, really high, high level run. And we're one of the top teams in the league. It was so satisfying after they were been completely written like, off at the beginning of the season, and people were kind of really noticing this, noticing the big evolution that that guys like Pascal Siakam were taking. I mean, it's like Raptors, they've always complained about the sort of bias against people in the media or in the in sports fandom. And people were really like starting to notice, wow, this is pretty impressive what they're putting together here. So I guess that in and of itself is, is really I frustrating. Mean, with all the injuries, with all the injuries, like who else like was in the running for coach of the year besides Nick Nurse and the way he managed? Uh, probably team? Taylor Jenkins in Memphis had the best case after that. Maybe Eric Spolster in Miami. Um, but like at the athletic, we did a staff wide vote and that's not just Raptors writers. That's the whole, our whole NBA team. And nurse got 81% of the vote for coach of the year. Yeah. I don't think there was much question. Yeah. It was going to him. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess, do they still have the like NBA awards? Like I, how does I think they'll work have anymore? to, like, even if they canceled the season, so many of these awards, have meaningful implications for like current deals and future deals like like certain right. guys become eligible for bigger max contracts if they make MVP or like Pascal Siakam's max contract has escalators in it if he makes second team all NBA or higher um you know Giannis's supermax could be or his willingness to to sign the supermax even uh, could be affected by that so i think you they would have to cuz you have to you can't just like Siakam's contract's a great example. You can't right now it's twenty five percent of the cap, but it goes up to twenty eight percent if he makes second team all NBA. And you can't just really tell the union and be like, ah, you know what, that es- he can't hit that escalator because we're not doing awards this year. So I think they'd have to vote on it and just do this weird, hey, you're voting on sixty four games of regular season. Well, we mentioned Nick Nurse and it's odd. And that's something that's come up a couple times on the show with a couple of guests. We've got a contentious sort of ongoing dialogue about this oh yeah and i think play could be pretty uh, uniquely suited to weigh in on this uh probably our only guest who has been in like the same room maybe yeah as that's Nick right Nurse. a lot so, hangs in the balance here on your answer blake <laughs> so, so what we're wondering what's the question what we're wondering <laughs> nick nurse is nick nurse hot what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought that's that. This is this is. I thought that's where you were going with this. Um, look, I'll say this: not many people can get away with a full-time goatee in 2020 and just have it not get mentioned. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you can do that, you're on the right side of this debate. <laughs> that's um, about as good an answer as I have. That, for you. That's a. When did you notice the monogrammed hat? <laughs> oh, he's been wearing that forever. Okay, like, so it's like just early, always... early last year. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that's cool. They're going to be selling them soon too. Part of the plan for the Nick Nurse Foundation was to finally make those purchasable uh, to raise money for the foundation. 
man. So before this, he had just like gone to li- gone to Lids or something and made his own. <laughs> it was through Nike. Yeah, there, okay. Nike provided him with four of that hat. Um, Max Kerman from the the Canadian band Arkells, I think, has one of them. And then there were at the Nick Nurse Foundation event that I was at when uh, the Rudy Gobert stuff came down. There was a signed one up for auction. So that's where another one of them went. And then obviously Nick has, I'm assuming, two that he rotates in and out. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to, like, I mean, I guess they're black, so they don't so sweat, really. But um, I'd say this as if I don't literally in the other room have a hat I got made at Lids that just has my name. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send, Rob, I'll send you a picture if you want to put it up on the Twitter. Please do. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, talk about... Talk about tragedies. I mean, that's, of course, there's a number of other terrible things going on right now, but being robbed of the Nick Nurse hat, I think that could be the the ultimate sl- COVID-19 slap in the face here. We didn't get to see gig bag Nick I in know. the playoffs step off an airplane. <laughs> it's so frustrating. That was such an iconic fit. Yeah, you know what, though? Maybe maybe that'll be our first sign that we're out of this, is like it, Nick, the Nick Nurse hat will be the first gear everyone can cop out of quarantine <laughs> wow. in a couple months. Like Groundhog Day. Yes, the papal the NBA equivalent of papal smoke is Nick Nurse coming <laughs> off of a plane, wearing a hat and carrying his guitar. Yeah, yeah, but I think like I guess like that's that's one of the things that I keep grasping at is that you know basketball and the Toronto Raptors in general have always been kind of like a release valve for me. You know, when things are getting a little heavy in society in my life, things are not going well. You can always kind of have that outlet. And you can kind of just take your mind and, and focus just on that for those two and a half hours or whatever. And you can kind of turn everything off. And that's been the really difficult thing. And I've talked to other people that are fans of sports about this, where not only is this big crisis going on that's affecting everyone's mental health uh, adversely, but even these little outlets and things that we really took for granted like this have been taken away also, which makes it, it just, it makes everything so much more oppressive and makes this pall hanging over everyone's head uh, so much more difficult to confront. I think that's one of the really hard things about this moment. Yeah, if you're also someone who puts their entire self-worth into their work and your work happens to be about sports, uh, yeah, a lot of mental airspace to occupy. It's also just like, man, it's such a nice escape. Like, even before COVID, like, the world is generally pretty bleak all of the time, I guess. Maybe it's always been this way. And sports is just such a nice thing to escape into even for a couple hours. Like, even if it's not a Raptors game, just putting on basketball is something that always soothed me. And so it was all of a sudden, it's like, oh, time to put on the... Oh, there's nothing on. Uh, honestly, I have fallen into the rhythm of watching the uh, the classic games that the NBA is putting up on their YouTube channel every night. Just It's just even the noise of basketball in the background is, like, soothing to me. I don't know. It's like... Uh, like white noise or something on the announcers and crowd. And there's always games where like Shaq's putting up 60 points or like someone is, you know, getting a triple double or something. So you always get to watch someone just bully people. Did we want to talk uh, for a minute about the last dance? I don't know if Tanara's seen that. I only saw this. I only caught the second episode, but that is the other big sports story that happened this week that dropped and everyone was kind of live tweeting that Blake, did you catch that? I did. I saw the first two episodes. Um, you know, obviously here in Canada, we don't technically get them till the next morning on Netflix, but there are 
there are ways to watch live with everyone else, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I did that on Sunday, and it was it was fun. Like the the documentary to this point is nothing. I don't think there was anything in there that we didn't already know yet, other than maybe just the relentlessness of Michael Jordan making fun of Jerry Krause. Um, but I'm excited for it, and I, I've been told that the Dennis Rodman episode we eventually get is amazing. And mostly, it's just been you know to Hugh's point, kind of about how nice something like a, a throwback game is just for the the kind of white noise and that feeling of comfort of basketball i found that like having kind of a monoculture event at least in the nba twitter circle to just like feel like i'm watching something with everyone again was really nice man i felt like i <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna go so far as to say i'm on team jerry but man, they're so mean to him in both of those episodes. And I'm assuming it's only going to get worse. And the but, fact that like he's passed on, so there's no one telling his side of any yeah. of the stories. Like, like there's a good example, and, and sorry to spoil this for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's there's a lot about Scottie Pippen being unhappy with this contract and wanting to renegotiate. Well, the Bulls' salary cap position at that point in time would not have allowed them to renegotiate with him. Like It would have violated the collective bargaining agreement. And I feel like no one being there to just be like, hey, yeah, the reason he didn't get extended is because <laughs> the window for that passed and Michael was taking up more than 100% of the cap. Like you God. just can't you just can't do that. <laughs> there wasn't a way to do it. There's an, a part in that second episode where like uh Jordan is talking about how like he's like yes, I do think that Scotty was being selfish by holding out and getting his surgery when he did. And he's like <laughs> Like behind him is this palatial house, and he's like sitting on, like basically sitting on a throne, being like, "Yeah, I think Scotty made the wrong decision," but it's like, dude, yeah, you are so rich, and I mean, I guess like you know, compared to me, I think Mr. Scotty Pippen is probably doing okay, but like, like you know, the episode makes a great does a great job of like showing his value to the team compared to what he was getting paid. Well, even when that year that Jordan missed Pippen was like an MVP candidate and they almost made it back to the finals. Like he was incredibly important to that team. So he's extremely good. He's one of the best players of all time. Like he's in the, he's pretty high, obviously not in the discussion for the best player of all time, but you don't have to go very far down that list before you get to Scottie Pippen. So the best part, well, not the best part, but a favorite part for me is uh, being like we were watching it in a group chat, and like my little brother, who only has started watching basketball, kind of in the last like, when when did the Raptors get good? Because that's when he started watching. So, 2013. Yeah, so like seven years ish, and like he was like, I've never heard of any of these players. Yeah, he was and doing. Was like, he was heard? doing and Tony Kukoc erasure yeah. in, the, in the DM. <laughs> I was like, Do not erase Tony Kuko. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm excited for Rodman. I'm excited to see how they handle uh, the uh, bad boy Pistons. And like, I feel like they've got to have an episode or at least, you know, like it'll flash back to them. That's like, oh, yeah, they'll have a Jordan rules episode or something like like focused heavily on that for sure. I think I really hope in the Rodman episode, they explore the fact that he was simultaneously in the NWO and wrestling for WCW (laughs) while the Bulls were in the playoffs. Yes. (laughs) Hell yes. (laughs) Was Carl Malone also doing that? Yeah, they went head to head. They were in like a tag match against each other. (laughs) Man. Um, Yes. I mean, they like if ESPN knows what it's doing, they'll have a 20 minutes on that particular rivalry (laughs) because it's crucial to the Bulls playoff story. Uh, I want to know how much they dedicate to baseball. Yeah, I think my favorite moment from uh, from epi- from the episode that I saw was they did that. They were talking about the Jordans' uh, second year and the playoff run that they went, and then before he had that historic sixty three point game against the Celtics. And 
he apparently went golfing with Danny Age the day before and was like, get, yes. they were getting kind of like in a golfing rivalry. And when they asked Jordan about it, like on camera, this like look came across his face and you could totally tell that he was still mad about a random golf game of Danny Age like 35 years ago. I thought that was so funny. I don't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter said that like the downside of this is that a bunch of NBA players are going to come back from quarantine and think the way that they're going to win is just to become total psychos. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that people don't take, like, being a jerk and being successful as things that have to go hand in hand. I think that's part of the most important thing about LeBron's legacy, is that he has kind of, like, shown that you you don't have to do that. I mean, he's not the best teammate in the world, but yeah, he's certainly certainly not talking shit to to Harper and and Kukoc in the middle of practices with cameras rolling. I do think that's why, like... When there's when the, the LeBron versus MJ debate comes up, people can point to things like LeBron's kind of physical dominance and how he's so much bigger and better shooter and a better number of things. But I do think that's an that is kind of the X factor is that Jordan was just so much more psychotic than, than LeBron that I, I just have a hard time. And also as someone like that, the the ninety five ninety six season was the first year that I really started watching the NBA. I really watched those three Bulls championship runs very very closely at that time and I cheered against them every single year uh, and Jordan would just always find a way to just step on my heart each each year um, and that's why I think he, to, to me and I think to people that grew up watching the league around that time he does take on this kind of mythical uh, he becomes like this mythical figure and it's hard to imagine anyone really ever matching up with him like no matter how physically gifted they are no matter how much they're dominant today I just can't imagine anyone ever, ever, anyone ever like getting a, getting one up on him because he just like mentally just refused to ever allow it. That's Jordan, baby. Yeah, I wonder. I feel like they were gonna have to do something on the like trash talk, like yeah. the Muggsy boat, like yeah, ending Muggsy Bogues' career. Well. Yeah, yeah that's, it's what I think of every time. Because Muggsy Bogues, as someone who until the tenth grade was like four feet tall and then came back for high school and was like all of a sudden like five foot ten, um, Muggsy Bogues was always my favorite player because it was like, oh, the, uh, he's short, but he plays basketball the same as everyone, the yeah. same as all the other people. Um, and so, like then later, because obviously I, d- I definitely didn't hear that while like I was a child, but to later hear that Michael Jordan just like crushed him mentally and he never recovered <laughs> definitely tarnished my view yeah yeah i always hated jordan but it was he was good it was very good i haven't watched any of this show yet the only thing i've seen is <laughs> people talking about how little scotty pippen was paid compared to jordan and also that one incredible <laughs> um still of Obama talking about him, and he's described as former Chicago resident Barack Obama. Um, but in the first couple episodes, have they talked at all about um, Michael Jordan's like gambling issues? Because, or do we know if they're going to talk about it? I ask because I only found out about that like a month ago or something, and uh, it was in this group chat where some people are fairly conspiracy minded to a point where I don't always just go, Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's credible. And someone was like, Michael the Jordan had a gambling problem yeah, yeah, and his dad yeah. probably got murdered because of it. And I was like, okay, I was like, this sounds insane. And then someone shared like a link to, uh, I think a Chicago Tribune 
article about Michael Jordan's father's death. And I was like, oh, this is actually <laughs> all real. And I didn't know anything about that. He absolutely um, was being investigated by the FBI for gambling. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's not funny, but it's just wild. And I obviously am like revealing how little I paid attention to basketball until fairly recently, but I like had never heard. That's okay. That's what that. big, big rings nation is all about. That's true. Education. But yeah, I do think, I mean, they should mention it. It's a big part of his legacy, but considering how, how much he's personally involved with it, you have to wonder whether that's going to be allowed to, uh, if they're going to, that's a subject they're going to be allowed to, bre- to uh, breach. Yeah. Sure. Hope so. <laughs> yeah. It would be entertaining. It's- it's impossible to talk about him without mentioning that. Like they do kind like they, they don't mention it, but they dance around it. Like that golf game Rob was talking about, they mentioned how he won money off of them. And like a couple other times they mentioned how competitive he was and how he would like, I feel like they bring up the idea of him doing sports for money, like golf or whatever. So I feel like it, it has to come up. Also, there's a part in the first episode where he talks about how, uh, he walked into the, like, Bull, like some vet bulls hotel room and they're all like doing blow and smoking weed and carousing with women and he was like i left right away there was no way i was going to be around that and like everyone i was watching with was like yeah right <laughs> yeah cut to him doing his own laundry in his apartment yes as a, yeah as, it's a, amazing. as a teen yeah <laughs> i saw one story pop up about how he would like memorize one of the stupid jumbotron games and then would like bet a bull's ball boy on the outcome of, the, of these jumbotron games to like fleece this poor ball boy. <laughs> the scene where they're in France, and I, I think it's the second episode, maybe it's the first episode, and they win that like exhibition scrimmage, and like they're all kind of goofing and clowning, and he's just like deadly serious, staring ahead, like refuses like to to be like jovial for even one second. Like, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> And then I think it cuts to him shit-talking Jerry in the locker room, saying Jerry's not allowed to touch the trophy or something. Classic. Sounds like a cool yeah. guy. Classic guy we'd all like to hang around. Well, um, we're getting close to an hour here. Um, it was really it was great to reconnect with you two, uh, Hugh and Tanara. It's been, it's been a minute, and it was not good to hang out with you two again in podcast form. And Blake, thanks so much for coming on the show as well. We've been talking about doing this for a while. And as you said, the circumstances are somewhat depressing, but it was really great to have you on the show, to have you uh, talk about basketball and missing basketball and the Raptors. And we appreciate the work you do on The Athletic, covering the team. And thank you. Thank you for thank you for talking to us about all this stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find your uh, your work? Sure. Uh, you can find my written Raptor stuff at theathletic.com. Um, for anyone who doesn't subscribe, we have 90 day free trials right now during all of this. Um, I think to just kind of give people an idea what we're about and give people something to do. More importantly, I'm still trying to come up with things to write about. <laughs> um, you find me on Twitter, Blake Murphy, ODC. And I also host a music podcast called Columbia House Party, where we kind of deep dive older favorite albums of ours. Uh, so yeah, those would be the places. As a athletic customer, uh, I can say it was well worth the subscription. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Um, okay. Well, as we mentioned earlier, none of us know what's going on with the with sports, with the Raptors. There might be some kind of playoffs coming up. There might not be. No one really knows. So I don't really I don't know. know what's going on with my own life. No, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know what that means for the for the future of this show. But, you know, if, if basketball comes back, I think I would love to continue doing it and continue 
talking about it, even if it's this weird, bizarre, non-basketball pretend playoff thing that might happen. You know, fucking, we, we need to we need to fill up our brains with something, and I'd be happy to continue covering it with uh, with you two. So, if you're a fan of the show, if you're part of Big Rings Nation, uh, this this is not a in the words of in the words of uh, uh, Zach Braff in classic American film Garden State. Um, this is not, it's not a period. It's an ellipsis right now for big rings nation. Uh, hopefully we, I'm, I'm sure we will be back eventually at some point, some hypothetical point in the future when sports comes back. Um, I want to ask you Tanera, before we sign off, uh, you were a little quiet through the last part of this episode. Um, and I was wondering if you had to, to, uh, to, uh, play us out. If you had something inspiring and hopeful for people that they might want to that might give them some a good feeling in this really dark and, and uh, uncertain time. Do you have anything like that? Is that putting you on the spot too Man, much? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're putting me on the spot, but you know what? Something did occur to me. It's not, you know, strictly per se, a hundred percent sports related, but I That's think okay. it's something that the members of big rings nation uh, will nevertheless be able to really draw a lot of inspiration from and that's the fact that today is your good friend and mine, uh, Vladimir Lenin's birthday. So happy birthday to the big guy, yeah. Lenin. And that's just something we can all really think about. <laughs> that's, that's inspiring to me. You know, he got a lot done. Yeah. And he overcame a lot in his life. And he won, in a sense some championship titles of his own. <laughs> and his body's embalmed and like on display in the Kremlin, right? Yeah. It, actually, I don't know if that's true or just the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, I want to believe it's but true. But I'm going to imagine that it's true. Yeah. Uh, so he, it a part of him lives on the, the skin part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again Bye. eventually, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.